The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 26, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Oh, my God, another wonderful day in Sonoma County and another day to do another great radio show. You know, in November, I'm really excited to announce that Women's Spaces will be celebrating 10 years I just can't believe it. We're a whole decade. Where has a whole decade gone by? And it's been a very, very exciting one, I have to say. Well, I have three three special guests joining me this morning. First joining me on the phone will be Erin Rose Solario. She is a dancer, a singer, an actor, and plays Sally Bowles in the production of Cabaret. We will be talking about the play and some of the challenges of being an actor. A little trivia. On October, they will be at the Sixth Street Playhouse on October. Uh, they will be celebrating, actually, October 22nd. That's the same day that, that young Andy Lopez was shot. On October 22nd, the Sixth Street Playhouse uh, will be celebrating 50 years of live theater. And they're going to be having a special celebration featuring a featuring a fashion show of costumes from all 50 seasons of the Playhouse. Oh my god, that sounds so inf- that sounds like a lot of fun. For information on the Golden Gala that they're calling it, uh you'll you'll be going to their website which is sixstreetplayhouse.com and get all the information. And I'm really excited. We here at KBBF, we support the Playhouse. We think it's doing a marvelous thing. There's nothing like live theater to get your imagination going. Well, my second guest joining me in the studio, I have two wonderful women, uh, Kimmy Barbosa. Kimmy is an organizer with the North Bay Organizing Project, NBOP, and a policy advocate. And then I have Ellen uh, Obster. Ellen is a retired local government attorney and member of NBOP's Police Accountability Task Force. Uh, the NBOP's Police uh, Accountability Task Force stands up to institute Institutions that kill, harm, detain, and criminalize immigrants and members of our most vulnerable communities and works to hold law enforcement institutions ac- accountable. And today we're going to talk about Measure P, which uh, is the support of what is known here in Sonoma County as ILERO, the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach. And it's, uh, it was, went to the ballot about a year and a half ago and 64% of Sonoma County residents said we want accountability. And it's still a struggle, folks. It's still a struggle. I do not understand it for life of me. I mean, a young boy of 13 years old was shot, left laying on the streets, handcuffed after he was dead. You know, and no accountability to this day. I mean, we're still struggling, even though 64% of our citizens said we want accountability. 
We want Measure P to cover Iolero and make sure that we have accountability here in Sonoma County. And we don't have a good track record, that's for sure. I think, I believe the women will report, I believe we just actually had two or three shootings in the last few months. So it just, it continues on and on. And it's very, it's a very important program and something very important to uh, look at. Well, you know what I try to do every once in a while, you know, I go and I look and I say, hey, what day is today? You know, what's happening? You know, uh, are, are, how are our levels doing, Ken? Good. What day is today? You know, what's happening here on today is, uh, I can't believe it's September 26th, the last Monday of the month. I mean, my God, I scratch my head. Where does September go? Uh, my, my beautiful grand, great granddaughter just had her fourth birthday. Where did that go? Now my great, other great granddaughter in November is going to have her first birthday. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm getting old so fast. <laughs> Watching them getting older is really very interesting. But what I try to do is I try to go online and try to find out, hey, what's happening today? Well, I found out something very interesting. Today, which is September 26, we are celebrating International Day for the Total Elimination of Nuclear Weapons. Wow. Can you believe that? The total elimination of nuclear weapons was established in 2013. The day calls for the urgent commencement of negotiations to prohibit the possession of development and production and acquisition and testing of nuclear weapons. You know, I'm 83 years old, you know, and I was when when they first dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you know, I was only four years old. And it seems like to me that since I was born, you know, we've been under this horrendous threat. I mean, who would ever think that we as human beings, a human species, would develop such a horrible, horrible weapon that can be that destructive? And here we are, 2022, and we're still talking about disbanding them. And what's so scary about it is when you start thinking about it and you start looking at it, you know, when you're looking over in the Ukraine I mean, they're bombing places around nuclear uh, facilities. I mean, can you imagine what would happen? I mean, it's just, you know, as women, you know, women give birth to children. We bring in, we bring in life, you know. And, you know, when I watch my great-granddaughter-in-law and my great-granddaughter-in-law and I watch how she's nurturing the children, I'm watching her breastfeed, I'm watching how they pay attention to organic food, this kind of food, that kind of food, and I say to myself, all the children should have that in the world. You know, imagine if we focused on life instead of death. I mean, that's what that's what nuclear arms are. They're they're a form of killing. You know, it seems like we put more money into death than we do into life, and we have to start thinking about that. And as women, if we don't stand up and stand up strong, it's never going to change. I mean, look at look what happens in five minutes. They will pass a war budget. No debate, nothing. But, oh, Medicare, six months down the line, they're still debating it. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me anymore. And I don't know how it makes any sense to you. And we have to all wake up. I realize we're busy. I realize we all have to have our, you know, we have to go to work. We have to take care of our children. We have to take care of all kinds of things. But we have to pay attention. You know, International Day for the Total Elimination of Nuclear Bombs is observed on September 26th, which is today. It's one of the oldest goals of the United Nations is achieving global nuclear disarmament. 
That's a pretty good goal, but they cannot achieve that goal if the people do not get behind them. Now, this is what really got me going when I saw this. The truth is that today, globally, we have around 13,080 nuclear weapons still remain. You know, something important is that countries possessing such weapons have well-funded long-term plans to modernize them. In other words, they're going to bring more nuclear weapons in and we're going to modernize them. What does it mean to modernize something, to make it more powerful? I mean, how much more power do we need when you come to think of it? You know, sometimes, you know, I was out, I was out looking at the full moon about two weeks ago. And I was thinking, my God, here I am on the earth looking up at the moon and thinking, what a amazing, what a miracle we live in. I mean, how come I don't fall off the earth? You know, how come I can, how come the earth, the moon doesn't hit me? I mean, all these different things that are going on. And at the same time, we're building weapons and we have enough power that we could blow the earth up. And just throw her out, throw her out in the atmosphere, and that's the end of it. In fact, the uh, Weber but, uh, uh, telescope lets us know that you can't even see the Earth. It's just a little spot somewhere that you have to kind of, you know, hey, where are you? Where, where, where's my Earth? You know, it's it's really kind of interesting. But that's a lot to think about, and I, I really, I would really like to encourage my listeners to call your representatives tell them that you want the disarmament tell them this is the, the time has come to change you know we start need to live in together in peace and love and compassion you know i know there's some ideology that says oh the you know the weapons are a deterrent oh maybe they're a deterrent but man who wants to have such a great accident with such a deterrent it, to me it doesn't it doesn't make any sense well, as we do every Monday, and normally it's the last Monday of the month that we do the Women's Spaces Pledge, but this Monday, this time, like I just said last month, we're changing it to the first the first Monday of the month. I feel it's better to start the month off with a, a big rah-rah than, have, <laughs> than end the month with a rah-rah, although this has been a pretty intense month. I mean, I'm getting such an education about politics and 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 freedom and the constitution and all kinds of wonderful things i mean and i just can't wait to the day when i no longer hear the word or the name trump i mean i'm looking forward to that well like we do every every um every monday we do uh our section called Our History is the Strength, and I want to remind everybody the reason I do that is important to understand the shoulders of who we're standing on. I mean, I have an attitude. If Shirley Chisholm can do it, I can do it. If Ida B. Wells can do it, I could do it. If Polly Murray can do it, I can do it. These are my three heroes. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can step up to the plate and risk their lives and risk their positions, I can do the same thing, so... So let's start out with September 26th, that's today, and this is one of my heroes. Let me tell you, this woman stood up as an African-American woman. She ran to one of the first African-American women to run for president in the United States, and that was Representative Shirley Chisholm, a Democrat from New York. And this on this day in 1971, she announced that she will enter the Democratic presidential primaries. Go, Shirley! You know, and she really had a struggle and she knew she didn't have a chance, but she still stood up. She said, I will have a voice. I will be heard. And boy, was she heard. Well, here's some special happy birthdays uh, today on September 26th. 
1893. Now, when you go back to 1893, women were definitely property. So any woman that stood out at that time to me is amazing. It was Frida Kirchaway. She was a, a prolific political journalist, editor of The Nation. The Nation still exists. It's gone through many, many, many trials, but still, it still exists. And owner from 1937 to 1955. She uh, exposed women's concerns for birth control in the 1920s and also worked for the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. I didn't even know they had that, uh, Women's League of International Peace and Freedom. I like that. We need a new league like that. We need women to get together, not to be a political party, but to be a body that supports who we believe is going to take care of our children and the future. You know, as women, we were given, we were bestowed the the, the uh, ability to bring birth and to bring children into the world. It doesn't matter if you can have, you want a child, you don't have a child, you can't have a child. It doesn't matter. It's still your charge. And it's our responsibility when we bring these young, precious miracles into the world that we have to make sure that there's a world that is sustainable and accountable. Because without accountability, you're just like, just, it's just running rogue. I mean, I, I would hate to think, if what would have happened if they would have taken over on January 6th. I mean, the, the anarchists, where would we be? What kind of future is that? I mean, think about it for a second. I know it's hard to think sometimes. Sometimes I get a headache. You know, I'm a poet. I, you know, the best way that I think is I write a poem. You know, the other day the other day, I was sitting in my house. It was really funny. And I started looking around because we like, Ken and I, we like we like antiques. And I says, oh, my God, I live in a secondhand store. And then I went and I uplifted it to an antique store. And I, then I realized, wait a minute. These are our interests. This is what we're interested in. We're, we have different relics around us that remind us to be good people, remind us to be positive. So, you know, it's kind of interesting the way things are. Well, one last thing. I think this is another important woman. She was born September 27, 1895, and she made her transition in 1988. Imagine it. I mean, 1895, you know, women, women were chattel. Let's face it. Her name was Jenny Matara. She was a labor organization uh, organizer and editor, educator, excuse me, who migrated from Hungarian Transylvania hmm, to Manhattan in 1906. She supported equal suffrage, worked to enroll black women in the ILGWU and organized women in San Francisco. Now, just think about this woman, 1895, an African-American woman working with, with black women. Hey, she did not have an easy, whore, an easy time, but she had the courage and the strength. And these are the, that's why his, our history is so, so important to us because we begin to see what can be accomplished if only we step up to the plate. You know, and hopefully the women that I have on the program are examples of that. And I'm proud of each and every one of them. Well, that's a lot to think about, huh, Ken? A lot to think about today. Yep. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And the song I'm going to be playing is Cabaret, sung by Liza Minnelli. Because I'm going to be talking to one of the actresses who's going to be uh, 
in the play cabaret at the Sixth Street Playhouse. Uh, so let's see. Erin uh, Rose Solario is a dancer, a singer, and an actor, and she plays Sally Bowles in the production of Cabaret. Now, Sally Bowles was who Liza Minnelli played in the in the film, and we'll be talking about the play and some of the challenges of being an actor. So let's go ahead and listen to the song, Ken. I give you that international sensation, Fräulein Sally Bowles! What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a To the cabaret Put down the knitting The book and the broom It's time for a holiday Life is a cabaret Oh chum Come to the cabaret Come taste the wine Come hear the band Come blow your horn Start celebrating your table's waiting What good's permitting Some prophet of doom To wipe every smile away Life is a cabaret Old chum So come to the cabaret I used to have this girlfriend Known as Elsie With whom I shared Four sordid rooms in Chelsea she wasn't what you'd call a blushing flower As a matter of fact, she rented by the hour The day she died, the neighbors came to snicker Well, that's what comes from too much pills and liquor But when I saw her laid out like a queen She was the happiest corpse I'd ever seen I think of Elsie to this very day I remember how she turned to me And say What good is sitting all alone in your room Come hear the music play Life is a cabaret old Come to the cabaret. Oh, come to the cabaret is right. Well, for you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And joining me on the phone is Erin Rose Solario. Welcome, Erin. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Elaine. Well, it's wonderful, you know, especially with the middle name of Rose. My God, Kenna had a grandmother, Rose. I had a grandmother, Rose. And oh. we also we also <laughs> named our dog Rosie, R-O-S-E-Y, to make sure to keep the oh, Rose in there. <laughs> well, listen, my... my I want to welcome you. And before you begin, uh, I'm going to tell our listeners just a little bit about you. Is that okay with you? Yes, of course. 
You know, I'm really excited. Did you, did you like listening to the uh, the song Cabaret? I know that's one of the songs you're going to be singing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Aaron, Aaron Rosalario is a dancer, a singer, and an actor. Aaron grew up in California, Bay Area, where she began dance classes at the age of two and fell in love with it. Aaron enjoys all styles of dance, but for hip-hop, she specifically enjoys popping. After taking voice lessons, acting lessons, and performing in musicals, she found her passion. Erin is a graduate of Ryder University, where she received a BFA in musical theater. She has enjoyed performing in regional collegiate productions, along with uh, choreography and directing shows. Some of her favorite credits include Cabaret in the Heights and Pippin. Boy, that's quite a resume. Well, welcome. Welcome, my friend. Anything you'd like to add? <laughs> no, that was a great introduction. Thank you. Well, let's, you know, what I like to do is I always like to begin, you know, because we've got women out there who are thinking about doing all kinds of things. And talk a little bit before we get into the show and get into the playhouse. Talk about what inspired you to become a actor and where do you get your confidence? You have to go out in a bunch of in front of a bunch of strangers and perform and and memorize lines. Where do you get your confidence? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what inspired to me me to become an actor is I honestly I just one thing at the very beginning when I was very young I always loved playing make believe. Um, you know, I was taking dance classes and voice classes, and, and my teachers and, and peers were suggesting it. Uh, my mom actually said I was always, <laughs> I've always been animated uh, with my face. But um, for me and for confidence, you know, it's just, it is so invigorating to hit the stage. I, I find confidence in knowing that, you know, no matter what anyone thinks, um, we're putting out art. And art is always going to be perceived in many different ways. And I think, uh, for me at least, I found confidence by believing in myself and my abilities and and I'm still learning. I'm still in the process of learning um, to be proud of my work, you know. And I think that um, this field requires a continuum of growth. And I just, I enjoy it so much. And I, and I think other women, other people, other kids should, should you know, one of the biggest reasons why people, um, people say that, you, that there's failure in this industry. The number one reason is because people don't go out there and go for it. You know, there's so much doubt. There's so much, you know, self-reflection and, and self-loathing that can come in acting. And I think the more that we find the confidence in ourselves and we are aware of our abilities, you know, is the more that we start to find that success. Boy, you said a lot, Erin, because the most important thing, for most important thing, particularly for women, because it feels like we're beat down in so many levels, you know. Absolutely. I remember, I remember my mother saying to me, silence is golden. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. In other words, we're not supposed to say anything. We're supposed to be quiet yeah. or, you know. So that, that's, a, that's a great, great, a great message for our listeners. I really appreciate that. Well, the show we're going to be talking about is Cabaret, which was both a play and a movie. Talk a little bit about what the play's about. And you know what I find so interesting about this play? It was happening at a time when, when Nazi Germany was really starting to become more of a, a totalitarian country where Hitler was kind of moving in slowly but surely at the time. So talk mm-hmm. about what this play was about and, and how is it a little bit different from the movie? Absolutely. And and you touched on something very important, which is about the way that this 
play displays Nazism. You know, Cabaret is about the people in Germany, you know, around the 30s in a nightclub. And it displays Nazism and how it affected the people in Germany at this time. So even though um, my character is from, you know, the UK and you have other characters that aren't necessarily from Germany, most of them are, but it, it is a super, super um, important, important message that it sends out there. This, this show has a lot about sexual liberation and the LGBTQIA plus community, um, the queer community. So I think that's, that's also something that, that audiences will be attracted to slash have interest in learning more about especially at this time, you know, it's interesting that so many of these things and, you know, anti-Semitism and the ways in which queer liberation, women's liberation is still having, you know, problems to this day and the ways in which it's important in this show. It's just um, it's very interesting how, how things repeat itself. But it is, I find, fascinating in which the ways in which it was available to these people, you know, it's it displays people very very well and i believe that the messages it sends are important but it's also just an enjoyable show to be honest it's it's ravishing and sensual it has charisma it has all of those things that you think about when you think about cabaret just the word cabaret and the movies the show but it's also deceitful and disturb and you know disturbing but it is so cleverly uh, piece together. It's such a piece of art. Well, let's get a little bit down and personal here. You know, here you are playing Sally Bowles. I mean, that is quite a uh, quite a big shoes to fill. After you know, I, I in fact it was very interesting. I because I was looking for the song Cabaret, I got to watch Liza Minnelli uh, perform it. She did such a great job. What were some mm-hmm. of your What were some of your challenges of getting into this, knowing that such a, a an icon? Uh, played the original part and i think marlena dietrich had something to do with this mm-hmm. too so how how where do you get your confidence and what were some of your your challenges and i have to remind you we're starting to come to the end of segment real quick okay okay i will try to go as fast as i can but um there's obviously so much about sally that i loved working in the process of you know she's charismatic she's vivacious she's actually based on a real person gene ross and unfortunately even though um she was written to be uh complacent and ignorant of politics at the time gene ross the person she was based off of was actually a political activist uh, who performed in many lesbian bars and things like that um so i tried to do my best at being true to the character and but also have play her the way that I want to be, you know, I think she is smarter that people, than people lead her on to be. Uh, she's unapologetically herself, and I really appreciate that in her. Um, I, I'd like to pay homage to all of the women who have played her before me, um, but I also try to make it my own, you know. I think it's important to make any role your own, regardless of your gender, but I, um, it's been a, a dream to play her. A challenge to make it my own and not so much like everyone before, but pay homage to it. 
Well, it sounds it sounds wonderful, and I want to shout out mm-hmm. to Shakina Black. You know, she's always contacting me, and I, yes. I, I really believe you know the Sixth Street Playhouse is a nonprofit. It's it's a it really provides so much energy and so much talent to the community. I just it's just really amazing. Well, we're coming to the end of this segment, so if you could quickly let us know, you know what what might audiences expect to see, and then also last words on what you'd like to say and the dates and and the websites. I know you just had a little bit of a COVID. That's why you're on the phone. You had a little COVID out, outbreak. I'm sorry that I didn't get to meet you in person. But talk a, a little bit really quickly about what to expect and then give us the last words in the website. Absolutely. I think audience should ex- expect to see a beautiful visual representation of, you know, events that were horrible, but also in a form of art that is that is interesting and intricate and it's people i think they will see maybe themselves or other people that they might know and hopefully learn something from this and enjoy it uh let's see also uh if you want to go check out cabaret please check the website six street playhouse it'll be right there and you'll also see the rest of the season there Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on this show. Um, I appreciate it so much, and and I love talking about women's history, women's rights with people. I could talk about it all day, so I love this. And and if you love women that are everything, they're strong, they're powerful, they're out there, you will definitely like Sally Bowles, (laughs) hopefully as much as I do. So, What is the the website, my friend? Yes. Yep. Yep. So – like I said, Sixth Street Playhouse. So that is sixthstreetplayhouse.com. Uh, we close. It's been extended, though, through October 16th. Uh, we are open most weekends and occasionally on Thursdays as well. And I'm excited to say that Ken and I are going to be seeing it on Saturday. We were really disappointed. I wanted to see it before oh. we did the interview because it gives it a little more a little more oom. Well, Aaron. Thank you so much for being a guest on Women's Spaces. And like they say in the in the in the movie industry, break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And congratulations and, uh, on taking on this wonderful part. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating spaces where women feel safe to share their experiences. I really appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you and thank you again. Great. Thank you so much. I just love listening to the young women with some of their <clears> – <throat> they inspire me beyond beyond anything that I can comprehend. I'll tell you, it's really interesting. Well, we're going to take a, a musical break right now. And uh, because it's the international day that we're supposed to end all nuclear weapons, I thought I would play this song by Jocelyn Sharp. It's called No More Wars. Because that's it. No more wars. You know, we don't need any more wars. And when I return to the, uh, in this joining me in the studio are Kimmy Barbosa and Ellen Osler. And I'm really looking forward to this interview. Uh, they are both part of the North Bay Organizing Project, NBOP, which is a grassroots, multiracial, and multi-issue organization comprised of over 22 faith environmental, labor, student, and community-based organizations in Sonoma County. They are amazing. They are an amazing group. And 
BOP seeks to build a regional power organization rooted in working class and minority communities in the North Bay, uniting people to build leadership and grassroots power for social, economic, racial, and environmental justice. What more, what, what better thing can we gather for but for justice? I mean, justice, without justice, there's no peace. Without justice, there's not going to be a planet. Anyway, let's go ahead, cannon play, no more war. No more war, war never again. No more war, war never again. When Pope Paul came across the sea, He brought this message for you and me. No more war, war never again. United Nations, best hope of mankind. United Nations, best hope of mankind. What you My God, that's I was just about ready to say something and that song just ended. My goodness. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And with me, joining me here in the studio are two wonderful women, uh Kimmy, Kimmy Barbosa and Ellen Obsler. Kimmy is an organizer with the North Bay Organizing Project and a policy advocate. And Ellen is a retired local government attorney and member of NBOP's Police Accountability Task Force. Okay, let's start out. Let's start talking about. Let's have a talk. Start with you, Kimmy. Tell us, uh, 
Let's talk, talk, talk a little bit about NBOP and uh, give us a little history, its mission, and also the talk about the Police Accountability Task Force, which you are part of. Hi, Elaine. Thanks so much for having me back. It's so good to see you and seeing you in the community doing so much work. And I just appreciate being on your show and getting some space to talk about this. Um, just a little brief history. NBOP is a North Bay organizing project. We are a community organization, uh, like you mentioned earlier, comprised of um, quite a bit of religious groups, student groups, labor and unions. And the idea is that we want to build leadership in the community um, and build power so we can make real systemic changes um, in, in the way of social justice. Um, and our task force was born of that. Um, every couple years, we get together with all of our members and we engage in a democratic process where we identify what are some key issues happening in our, happening in our community um, and then create task forces to help address some of those systemic issues. And this year it was climate justice, um, immigration um, um, defense, and also our police accountability, which we um, voted in during the 2020 uh, protests where the whole nation um, stood up against um, racial violence, especially um, by the police into communities of color, which we have seen a lot here in Sonoma County as well. Um, there are oh, over a hundred people in Sonoma County over the last 20 years that have been um, killed at the hands of law enforcement, and that's just the ones we know of. So I believe that this task force is so important, um, especially like how you mentioned before with Andy Lopez, a 13-year-old who we never got accountability or justice for. Um, Deputy Gail House of the Sonoma County Sheriff, you know, killed him and was promoted and then was able to retire. So it, it's fair very few and far between where we actually see any accountability for these issues. Well, it's really important. And so, you know, the, the thing that I find interesting about N NBOP, which I love about them, is I used to go to their meetings all the time, their annual meeting, and, and when they would you'd go across the room and mark down, this is what you want to work on, this is what you work on, and then then vote on it. Yep. And it was such a collaboration. It was really, really impressive. Well, you know, talk about Measure P and why it was placed on the ballot. I mean, when you start thinking, we it's a very rarely that you get over 40% of the population to agree on something. But we had 64%, actually 64 plus percent, mm -hmm. you know, a plus a lot of hoopla and so many. And the thing that the thing that's that is so inspiring me because they're making they're trying to make some changes when they got on the ballot, we got people that were would would were not supportive of it all to put their name on it because it was politically correct. And then all of a sudden now it's over mm -hmm. and now it's behind the doors trying to change things and once again get rid of that ugly word, accountability, oversight, and all that other good stuff. So talk a little bit about Measure P, what it's about and why it is important that the task force is working on it now. You are so right. Thank you, Elaine, for, for saying that. Um, so Measure P was a, you know, kind of a headliner for the ballots in, in, in 2020. Um, it is to help strengthen our Iolero department or I our Aguilero office, which is our oversight office, um, which was born out of the um, the murder of Andy Lopez, the 13-year-old. So that office, the creation of the office, came out of that incident, right, back in um, 2013, I believe. So it's been about 10 years. And what... What happened during that was there was a lot of concessions that were made when um, we decided to enact the, the Iolero office and everything that would come with it. And over the years, um, leaders and community members identified that 
you know, that those concessions made it to where this office was essentially unable to do its job properly. It wasn't able to get information. It didn't have guaranteed funding. Um, it was purposely made weak. So when the Evelyn Cheatham initiative um, was written, which later became Measure P, the idea was to give this office more strength to actually be able to investigate when something happens um, out of the sheriff's office that is um, contentious or, you know, unethical, <laughs> downright evil. Um, and we put this on the ballot specifically because we didn't want our decision makers to tamper with it. They, we had the option to have it enacted right there by the board. And a lot of the community community members came out and said, no, because we don't trust that it's going to stay intact the way we want it. We want this on the ballot. So the only way you can change it is if you put it back on the ballot and ask us for that change. And everyone, I mean, by a landslide, Sonoma County agreed that this, this was the way to go. And what was so interesting, what I found very interesting, because it was after the shooting of George Floyd, mm-hmm. that I found all of a sudden the politicians, everybody was all, all of a sudden on board. I mean, because it became at that moment politically correct. And, I mean, people were signing on saying, yes, that I know personally were very resistant, especially to the word oversight. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had two meetings, two meetings at the Board of Supervisors talking about the word oversight. And it it blew me, it just blew me away. So go ahead, continue, my friend. Yeah. um, So did you want to talk a little bit about what happened after it passed? Yes. Yeah. I'll go ahead and pass it over to Ellen. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Again, thank you so much for having us. It's such a great... um a great uh, a forum to be able to tell people, more people about this, because what happened was awful. Um, so uh, a vast majority, I, as you said, almost two-thirds of uh, county voters wanted to have oversight. They didn't call it oversight. They had to call it outreach because, again, oversight such a dirty word. But people needed this and think it was so important, and it goes into effect, and then, of course, there's a, law- a lawsuit. The sheriff's unions... Um, uh, with their um, the unions representing the sheriff office employees, they sued. They argued that the county never should have bargained with them. That the county should have bargained with them before placing Measure P on the ballot. That it was going to affect their working conditions um, by giving Iolaro more power, which is says a lot just right there to give uh, oversight power affects the working conditions. No, it should make their work conditions better. But in any case, um, the state board that governs these kinds of cases, it's called the Public Employment Relations Board. At the time, that um, board uh, was comprised of five white men, all appointed by the governor. They agreed with the sheriff's unions. Absolutely. They said uh, uh, Measure P needs to go out, uh, needed to bargain. And so they effectively overturned the will of county voters. Um, then Kimmy and a group of other very committed activists pushed the County Board of Supervisors to appeal the, the PERB's decision um, to the state appeals court. And yay, the appeal was successful. The court said the county did not have to negotiate with the unions before placing most of Measure P on the ballot. But on the day the decision came out and a couple of weeks after the court had issued its tentative decision, tipping the parties off at the county had won, so it wasn't a surprise. The county and sheriff's union announced that they had negotiated what they called letters of agreement to govern Iolaro and the sheriff's office duties and responsibilities. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we had the vote. There were certain things written in the initiative that this was going to happen. Then there was a suit. 
then there was all of a sudden now they're coming in that they want to rewrite with the with the voters is that kind of what it's like? Kind of what it's like. They basically said, well, you know, we can't we can't implement Measure P because of the lawsuit. And um, and the lawsuit at the time was a little bit continuing in front of the California Supreme Court, although that's gone now, too. But the a county's attorney basically came in and said, no, no, this is a great thing. We want we want to implement Measure P. This will allow us to implement Measure P. It's a good thing. But. <laughs> but, exactly. It quickly, very quickly, too quickly, and in a horrible, horrible manner, it became clear that it was not true because the letters of agreement substantially changed the terms of Measure P. And I could explain in a couple ways how. If that's okay, Elaine. Go ahead. Okay. So the letters changed Measure P in a few ways, including taking away Iolero's powers to investigate whistleblower complaints, which can wind up being a very big deal. And that's, that's an awful thing. But the change that brought us here today is that any time a person dies in the jail or because of the actions of a county employee, Iolero has to wait to start its investigation until the sheriff's office and the district attorney complete their investigations. So they cannot do anything. They can't look into it until however long it takes, months, years, for that internal law enforcement mechanisms to do the oversight. Wasn't what we vote for, wasn't what we voted for to, to prevent that, that there would be a cooperation, that they would be investigating together? That would be correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, so that's what they fought? That's, that's, that's why, this is why we're, that's why we're here. This is why we're. Righteously angry. We're, that's why we're right, righteously <laughs> angry. The people spoke. Increase Iolero's power. I'm going to be a little fair here. Uh, Measure P was written in a very ambiguous way. It's because it was written by attorneys for the county who don't really like this. And so they, they, there's some ambiguity in the language. But when courts look at, like, it, it just if there was a, a lawsuit saying, you, county, you have to enforce Measure P, if there was a lawsuit like that, the courts would say, huh, well, yeah, this, this language that's governing this entire area is pretty ambiguous. So what we need to really look at is the intent of mm-hmm. the, the drafters of the legislation, and that's the, the voters here. And it's very, very clear that um, the voters intended to increase powers, and especially in the case of, of, of a sheriff-involved death. Right. I, I mean, you know, to I make just, it wait is just makes no sense. I just want to say something here, though. Of course. It wasn't so the voters could increase power. It's so that we could have some power and some say. I mean, that, that you know, it's 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 not that we we were, we didn't have anything before Measure P. When you come to think about it, I mean, when Iolero, Iolero, I felt when it, when they developed it, I was I was in the room that day when they decided to do it. I felt they just said, "Oh, well, just these people are too noisy. We'll just we'll just give them this thing, and then it's all going to go away." But most people didn't realize that this was a young 13, for me as a mother, as a grandmother, and as a great-grandmother, for me the idea that a 13-year-old boy could be killed that way and all this justification was going and no accountability, 
that was horrendous to me. So it wasn't increasing the power. It was it was giving some power to the people so they can analyze these things and maybe maybe prevent some of the killings that have happened. I mean, we've just had two or three. I mean, it's not it's not like it's gone away and and there's this, still this fight. So I didn't mean I didn't mean to uh interrupt you but no not at all i did understand that there was there was iolero before but that this measure was to give it teeth give it teeth exactly give it and give it accountability and respectability yes that it was a respect that here the voters voted on it 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 had uh it had respectability to it well it's really under interesting. So, how do people, you know, how what are ways, you know, like I said, the, it goes by very quickly, and I want to talk a little bit more about not only, uh, but how do people, how can people get involved in this? What are some of the things that you're hoping that people will do? If you don't mind, if we could just step back for just one second, only because um, it, this is a, an awful. Irony? Is it an irony when this happens? So right when we're realizing that the the Measure P was being gutted, a sheriff's deputy hunted down and killed a man. And... Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. David? Yeah, um, David Palios Chavez. I'm sure uh, your listeners have seen it in the headlines of Press Democrat and in the news and heard it all over the place. But like Ellen said, it was just the timing just was really showing what happened with these letters of agreement. You know, the sheriffs hunted down, killed an unarmed man, although there is some dispute on that. But I don't believe that a rock and gardening tools are armed weapons when you're 10 to 15 feet away. Right. So there's just so it's just so much to unpack in that. But really, the the murder, the death of David showed how how these letters of agreement have impacted the ability for Iolero to investigate. They have their hands tied. They can't go in and simultaneously investigate and look at, you know, the details of the case. And like Ellen said, they can't even touch it until six months, a year, two years down the line where people's memory have faded, where uh, maybe not all the details are so, you know, uh, clear. And and also it's not on the forefront of people's minds anymore because we're on to the next tragedy, right? So this person may never get justice. And, and that's the exact opposite of what we want. Um, you know, Sheriff's uh, um, Santa Rosa Police Department is uh, doing the um, investigation right now. But how how unbiased can another law enforcement um, body be, especially when they have also committed um, murders and um, deaths? But, that, but the intent yeah. of Measure P was to get oversight yeah. from the community. That yeah. was the, the intent. Exactly. That That's exactly it. The intent, what people voted for, what people thought they were voting for, was was that ILRO would step in, make an independent investigation, ensure that the details come through and that justice is, is and accountability is there. And here we are, stuck again um, because of these letters of agreement and because the Board of Supervisors currently are don't seem very willing, in my opinion, to even review this or look at this again. Um, so, so here we are as the task force um, getting together, creating strategy to ensure the implementation of Measure P in the way that we all envisioned it and the way this community needs it so there's no more david so there's no more Andy lopez so there's no more jeremiah chas who was 15 who was killed by the sonoma county sheriff right this goes the list goes on and on how many community members we have lost and predominantly folks in communities of color and that's a problem well if when you're going to go back in time you know all of a sudden i had the vision of, with uh, young andy lopez when they had the first press release and they had these guns and it, it, they, they made it look like the way they made it look like 
like it was, you know, looked like an absolute rifle. There was no oversight there to say, "Hey, wait a minute, this was the rifle that he had, and this is the, this is this was this is a regular rifle." In fact, I was a, uh, I was shocked about when they said that he was able to even pick that gun up. I went to a. I was part of the Mark Weeks, uh, Mark Westbing's uh, Chamber of Commerce. I was on their board of directors, and we had a, a fundraiser, our, our, our monthly meeting at the sheriff's department. And they brought us into the weapon room, and he asked me, you want to pick that up? And I says, well, what is it? He says, it was the AK-15. So I went to pick it up. I couldn't even pick it up. He had to pick it up for me, so I could never visualize this young boy holding this heavy rifle in his hand. I mean, it was it was a travesty. And the same thing is happening. You know, they, they jump in. You don't know what is happening. There's no accountability. There's no public eye. There's no public eyeballs. And it really is a problem. So my hat's off to you. It's commendable. There's so many people. And I want to do a shout-out, a shout-out to definitely to Susan Shaw, mm-hmm. who, pulled this, who pulled North Bay Organizing Project together. She did a great job. And also to my dear friend Susan Lamont, who stays on top of this, is encouraging all you young women to, to continue to do this. What were you going to say? I'm laughing when you said young. <laughs> <laughs> to me or young? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> to me, you know, I'm 83, so, I mean, to me, you're, you know, you're young women. And don't get old, you know, you're not old until you're maybe 90. <laughs> so what So what can people do? What are some things that people can do? And then, of course, last words and websites and anything else that you folks would like to talk about. And this has been a great, a great interview. We only, we've only got a few minutes left. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you, Elaine, too, for, for noting the character assassination of victims. They villainized the victims. They did that with Andy, a 13-year-old boy. They're doing that with David now. Um, and clearly, you know, putting out the propaganda video from the sheriffs, that six-minute video that just uses, you know, pieces of the two hours of body cam footage to try to push whatever narrative they want, right? That's all part of the, the game to get them off the hook, essentially. But we're not going to let them. <laughs> we're going to keep this um, on the public eye. We're going to keep pressure on the Board of Supervisors. We're going to keep pressure to help support Iolero office. And one way you can get involved is joining us here at the Police Accountability Task Force through NBOP. You go to northbayop.org um, and it has information there. If you go to the uh, staff page, you can find my name, Kimi Barbosa, and you can get my email there. Um, and I'll give you all the information you need to come join us. Our next meeting is actually tomorrow night um so if you get a hold of me quick enough you can come meet the rest of the team and we will be strategizing and doing some planning um, to make sure that this doesn't go away because this is absolutely unacceptable we've been saying this for far too long it's about time something actually gets done and not just because it's politically correct at the time and and if i could just add um that at the north bay op.org under about and then in the news there's a, a petition that people can sign that gives this background about um, about uh, David Chavez's murder, as well as um, signing to ask the Board of Supervisors to allow Ayolaro to begin its investigation now, because really, time is ticking. We need to get them to move. They apparently can be renegotiating these letters of agreement, so we just have to make them do it. And also, I just want to – this is a shout-out to Lee, who is part of our group, because it's really a great thing. It's a great feeling to be doing this work, and it seems overwhelming, all the bad things. But as you spoke about in the beginning of this program, all the women making history, 
all of us, all of us community members, we could make history here. We could change this. Oh, I Thank like you. that. That is perfect. That is perfect. And and not not lose sight. You know, not lose sight. You know, the people can beat you down. You know. Terry Cole Ritiker wrote a book called What You Think of Me Is None of My Business. You know, you just you just do your thing. You know you're coming from the heart. You know you're doing spiritual work. You know, there's a component. There's a mystery that we all live in and that we're all part of. So I want to thank you, ladies, so much for being here and for the good work that you do. And I would like appreciate if you sent me to women's spaces to I'll give you my card when we end, and yeah. you can send me a copy of that petition, and we'll put it on our website. Oh, for perfect. You. Thank yeah. you so much. So, and a reminder to my listeners that everything that you have listened to and everything you've heard, everything is on www.womenspaces.com. Well, that's it for our show. I want to I want to thank my wonderful, wonderful guests. I want to thank uh, Kimmy Barbosa and, and Ellen Osler and Aaron Rose Solero. And I look forward to seeing uh, the play Cabaret. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group of women. A reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. on Monday evenings. I'm so excited. I get to listen to my own program. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements. And if you have any announcements you'd like to have in the air like anniversaries birthday graduations you name it hey this is a women's show we want to know what the kids are doing out there remember like i say every week remember the children are our future and we never must never lose sight of that this is elaine behold you've been listening to women's spaces thank you so much for listening and i look forward to being with you the next time she'll take you home now The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 26, 2022.